Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from our lead pastor, Pastor Eric Capelli. Well, it's a pleasure being with you this morning and sharing the Word of God with you, especially this series on the book of Revelation called New. It's been really invigorating just looking into it, and I realized that as I was studying and, and, and preparing the sermons, there is so much written about the atrocities and the scary aspects of the book of Revelation and very minimal written about Christ and about the things that he promises us all throughout the book of Revelation. And I thought that's really a shame. It is a shame for us as believers to have lived for decades really under this cloud of Jesus is coming, run for your life. Jesus is coming, run to him. And so the book of Revelation paints a wonderful picture of this. Today in the sermon series called New, I would like to talk to you about the famous tree of life. When God created all things in the beginning, he created a tree, and many trees for that matter. And in the middle of the garden, most likely on some hill-type formation, God plants the tree of life. And there's something very special about this tree that is different than the other trees of the garden. Because the tree of life almost seems to have the very life of God in its roots, in its trunk, branches, and leaves. Because the scripture says those who eat from it will live forever. Now, if we know or read the biblical story, we also realize in the midst of the garden where there were many trees that were delightful and there were many fruits to be eaten, there was also another tree that was placed, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God had said to Adam, you can eat from any tree in this garden, obviously including the tree of life, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You are not to eat from it because then your eyes will be opened and you will die. Well, that became kind of appetizing when the tempter came. When Satan came in the form of a serpent, he deceived Eve. She was the second-hand recipient of information. And the serpent twisted the very words of God. And when that all kind of unraveled, when sin came in the world, Adam and Eve not only realized that they were naked, they were also going to be banned from the garden. And so God placed an angel at the edge of the garden with a flaming sword that goes in all kinds of directions. But he did that for a reason. And today I want to talk to you about the tree of life that we find in Genesis. The very tree is mentioned sporadically throughout Scripture. And this very tree is mentioned again all the way at the end in the book of Revelation. This tree is one of the most important trees in all of human history. What I love about the book of Revelation itself is that Revelation has what is called a literary boomerang effect. What we read about in Genesis comes full circle, and we get to experience it one day at the end. The tree of life was vital in creation, 
but will also return again at the recreation or the new creation to serve a vital role for each of us. But we do not need to wait until eternity to pick its fruit. Wait, what? Wait. The book of Revelation says then we get to eat from the tree of life. No, no, no. I don't think you've been reading the rest of the biblical story. When the Bible talks about those who want to live righteously, it says the righteous eat from the tree of life. The book of Proverbs says that those who love wisdom eat from the tree of life. And over and over again in the scripture, those that seek their life and their livelihood in God are people that have learned to eat from the tree of life. And Revelation 2, 7 as John is writing a message led by the Spirit to the church, he has several times, seven times, he refers to, and to those that overcome, to those that overcome, meaning those that are willing to persevere to the end. This morning, I talked about tenacity with God. Tenacity in your Christian walk. God is looking for men, women, youth, and children that are willing to get tenacious, that are willing to get bold, that are willing to get stubborn and say, God, with your help, with your grace, I am going to walk this Christian life through all the way to the end until I see you face to face. And that needs to be the determination of your heart. That needs to be the determination of your life. Why? Because Revelation 2.7 says the following. And to them that overcome, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. See, God had a plan from the very beginning. And even though sin and human error and evil tried to interrupt the God of plan, God's plan, I want you to know that the God of the Bible cannot be stopped. His plan cannot be thwarted. And not only does he have a plan A, he's got a plan B all the way through to Z and then comes back to double A, goes to double Z, and keeps going throughout all infinity. No one and nothing will stop what God desires to do. See, God's heart from the very beginning was to dwell with us in unity and in relationship. His desire is not that we would be sick, down and out, poor, broke, weak, discouraged, and the bottom of the barrel. That has never been the plan of God. From the very beginning are the lovely Hebrew words, l'chaim, the words that are spoken with every toast, l'chaim, to life, to life, to life. The God of the Bible has life and life abundantly for all those that are willing to overcome. And the tree of life has benefits it has things that it offers, not only when we get to heaven, but for right here and right now. Firstly, I want to talk to you about the benefits of the tree of life. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, it says the following about this ancient tree. It says, the Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
God as the master designer and landscaper placed the tree of life in the middle of a garden for a reason. Because this tree symbolized the place of worship. It symbolized the place where creation, those that God made in his image, humanity, could gather and meet with him. When you read through the Old Testament, you'll see a lot of people gathering around trees near hilltops. But they were worshiping false gods and evil spirits. They were giving offerings to them. There was something within human nature that wanted to get up to high places. They were almost looking for the tree of life again, but going to the wrong sources to get it. The tree of life and the garden center is the tree by which God imparts his life-giving and life-sustaining power. Eating from it meant abundant, eternal life. It is a sacred tree where God uses an object of creation, a special tree, to create a sacred space where heaven and earth can meet uninterrupted, undefiled, and unburdened. Oh man, take me to that tree right now. You know that song, Guns and Roses? Take me down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Oh, won't you please take me home? Yeah. There is this longing. There is this longing. Oh, I not only know how to sing oldies, I can sing it all. I can rap. I can do just about everything. Wait, wait. I'll get you one Sunday. There is this inward desire for paradise. God, even in the scripture, it says he put eternity in their hearts. And there's this longing. When we're burnt out and when we're tired, there is this longing to see a place we've never seen before, eat foods we've never eaten before, experience thrills we've never experienced before. God knew that we were thrill seekers. God knew that we were pleasure seekers. God knew that each and every one of us wanted to live a life of abundance. And so right from the very beginning, his master plan was to give it to you and I. And that tree, that tree in order to become a benefit to you and I again after we were barred from the tree of life, had to become a burden. And the burden of the tree could only be borne by one person. That was Jesus. He became the tree of life for us. How is that so? In John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. My father is the gardener. And he says the following, I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. The very tree that was placed in the middle of paradise, all of the sudden, in order to bear, to bear that, Jesus becomes the tree of life all over. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Unless you are connected to me, you can do nothing. 
Well, for a non-agrarian society, it's oftentimes hard for us to get these biblical lessons sometimes. He says, you are the phone, I am the charger. <laughs> Apart from me, you have no battery. <laughs> and do you know those feelings when the battery is dying and you need it? Do you know those feelings? The desperation that you feel when you're at the register going to pay and all of a sudden your phone turns off. When you're using navigation on your phone and all of a sudden it goes away on you. When you're looking up important information and all of a sudden it's gone. When you are making that important call and bang, the connection goes out. Jesus is that life-giving, battery-charging power. And he is saying, stay connected to me. I am not only the charger, I am the battery pack, the solar panel. Why are you trying to charge on your own? Jesus, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus speaks these words out in utter desperation. Why? Because Jesus knew that he was about to offer up his life a few chapters later in John 18. Jesus is led to the Garden of Gethsemane, high on a hill. The hill comes back into play. Jesus is praying in front of the olive trees. Again, the tree comes into this picture, but the tree now becomes a burden and not a blessing, just for a moment. And it says in John 18, 1, after Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across the Kindred Valley where there was a garden, and he and his disciples went to it. And it was at that garden that Jesus prayed to the Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. In that moment, before Jesus was even betrayed or crucified, Jesus accepted the burden that was placed upon him. Jesus knew what was about to happen and what happened to Jesus when the burden of the cross was placed upon him. 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He himself, meaning Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree. Ding, 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 ding. That we might die to sin and live, l'chaim, live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds, you have been healed. By the one, the one that Revelation says was found worthy. The lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. Jesus, the crucified Savior, was high and lifted up on a cross on a hill called Golgotha. So that you could come. So that you could live abundantly. So that you would never lack. So that grace and love and mercy would be poured out in abundance upon you. Herein we see why everything Jesus went through, pointing back to the garden, a high place, a tree. Jesus' road from Gethsemane to Golgotha was all part of the master plan to reverse the curse of death. 
which came about from the disobedience that happened at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Through Jesus' obedience to the Father to hang on a cursed tree known as the cross, Jesus opens the way back to the garden paradise and restores abundant life as the true vine, the true tree of life. Without him, we can do nothing, and in him, all things are possible. And I love the beauty of the moment on the cross where Jesus is hanging next to two other rebellious men, one to his right and one to his left. Finally, one of the men comes to his senses and says to Jesus, remember me. And Jesus says, surely today you will be with me. Where? In paradise. The paradise that was once given in the beginning, the paradise that we experienced through the offering that Jesus gave, the sacrifice of himself, that paradise is available to one and to all that call upon his name. Jesus bore the burden so that you could live life and live it abundantly. And so that tree that had benefits and that was a burden has now become a tree of blessing. If you have your Bibles, let's look at Revelation 22, verse 1 through 5. It said, And then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be written on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever, forever and ever, and he shall reign forever and ever. Come on. The tree of life. It appears yet again, but this time not in the middle of the garden, but on both sides of the river that are flowing from the throne of God through the new Jerusalem. God has worked out an eternal plan of restoration and healing for all, every nation, every people, every tribe, and every tongue can find their place a blessing in Him. In Genesis, as I said, the way to the tree of life is barred by a mighty angel and a sword. If mankind had eaten from the tree in his state of sin, he would have stayed sinful and double death would have been inevitable. Not only can we die in our physical bodies, but the book of Revelation talks about the lake of burning fire, which is the second death. If we think death is bad, that's worse. But thank God that Jesus came to bring life. 
Thank God that Jesus came to open the door back up into paradise. Thank God that Jesus' plan includes those that call upon his name. Well, what does this have to do with me, Pastor? Great. There's a tree of life in Genesis, and there's a tree of life in Revelation. I'll tell you. Hold on. As I said, this tree is not just a futuristic tree that we're waiting for. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Ladies and gentlemen, if you need his abundant life to flow through your life like never before, it is time to shake the tree. If you need fruit from the tree and you are not getting it, it is time to shake the tree. I grew up in Rhode Island. We had our little apple orchards all over the place. They're not like Connecticut orchards. These orchards here are overwhelming. Not only in the size, but also the price. Yes? And my little Rhode Island orchards when I was little, it's like if you wanted the apple, you could shake the tree. And when you're desperate and you can't reach it, you shake the tree. And I am believing God today for each and every one of you that the abundance that God wanted from the beginning, that abundance he still wants to give you. I love heaven, can't wait to get there. But I cannot wait until heaven for God to give me the abundance of all of the blessings that Jesus provided for me when he gave it all on the tree for me. I want it and I want it all. Jesus paid the price. Charles Spurgeon said the following about the tree of life. He said, if you do not seem to get the fruit from the tree by faith, shake it by prayer. Don't you love that one? Oh, you say, I've been praying. Yes, but the tree does not always drop its fruit at the first shake you give it. Shake it again. And then give it another shake. Sometimes when the tree is loaded, it is pretty firm in the earth. And shake it with all of your might until you strain every muscle and sinew in order to get the fruit down. And that is the way to pray. Shake the tree of life until mercy drops in your lap. Lord, I want all that you have for me. Lord, I want all that you have for me. L'chaim, I want life and I want it abundantly. Lord, as the word says in Genesis, as it says in Psalms and Proverbs and in Ezekiel and Revelation and in the Gospel of John, you have come to give life and life abundantly. If the benefit of the tree of life is available for me, I am shaking this tree until every piece of fruit falls down for me. I want it and I want it right now. We used to sing a song at Bible school. We could sing, I can feel the presence of the Lord, and I'm going to get my blessings right now. I can feel the presence of the Lord, and I'm going to get my blessings right now. Come on. When that anointing comes, when that presence comes, when you are in a service or you're worshiping or praying and you begin to feel the spirit of Jesus come in, when you feel him welling up inside of you, that is the moment. Shake the tree. Say, God, I want all that you have for me. And as I've said, and we're going to stay on this, next week is Vision Sunday. 
so much more in 2024. So much more from my life, from my work, from my school, from my family. So much more. So much more. Shake the tree. Shake the tree. Every Sunday, come and shake the tree. On Wednesday evening or at Life Group, shake the tree together. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. You're all going to turn into shake and bake. But I want us to learn as a community that we have not because we ask not. I want us to learn as a community to become tenacious with God, to become stubborn, to say, God, you promised it. But not only did he promise it, he sealed it with the life, death, burial, and resurrection of his one and only son. And so the New Testament says, hello, how much more? How much more? If he was willing to do this in the Old Testament, that believers would say seeking after wisdom was like the tree of life. How much more for New Testament believers that believe in Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Spirit? How much more? And so Revelation 22, 14 says the following. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to eat of the tree of life and may enter the city by its gates. Blessed are those that wash their robes. Not only is it about the blessings that you need to receive, but God is looking for a church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of his son Jesus, pure and spotless pure and spotless pure and spotless as Pastor Maria said this morning the freedom of God the freedom of God has no it wasn't captivity, it was overused bondage the freedom of God knows no bondage the freedom of God knows no bondage not even a little blessings of God know no limitation, not even a little bit. I want you to stand this morning. We had an altar moment, and these altars will always be open for you if you need them. But you know what you need from the Lord in 2024. And I need you, starting from today, to get tenacious. I need you to stand upon the scripture from beginning to end and believe God for things that you've never believed him for before. Many of you that have been attending and been Christians for a long time, you've done a great job of believing God for your own life. Now I need you to believe God for others. I need you to pray for people you don't even know. I need you to pray for towns and cities that God can do extraordinary things a shift in the way we pray. We need a shift in the way that we believe. And we need that tenaciousness of saying, God, I am not going anywhere until you bless me. God, I am not moving until you move me. I want all that you have for me. God, if I have to plant my face at this altar and have them lock the doors on me so that I have to let myself out of the building, God, I am not going anywhere until you touch me. You move in my heart and life. 
If you've been living in sin and in unrighteousness, his desire is not to turn you away. His desire is that you would seek that forgiveness that only comes through his blood. With every eye closed and everyone attentive on Christ, if you have been living in sin, if there are areas of little bondages in your life and you know you are not free and that freedom that Jesus has, Christian or not, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, today I am in bondage. I want freedom in Jesus. I want freedom in Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I need freedom. I need freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If I am being obsessive and I want to be set free, if I am living in fear and I want to be set free, if I am living in doubt, negativity, I want to be set free. If I am living with patterns of sin, I want to be set free. Jesus is not here to condemn you. Jesus is here to invite you in to the forgiveness that he has for you so that you can be washed washed by the blood, washed by the blood of Jesus. Your own solution is never going to wash you from the inside out. You can change your speech, you can change your clothes, you can change your setting, but it is only Jesus that washes from the inside out. And so Jesus, we pray, wash us from the inside out. Wash us, scrub us clean, scrub us clean. Oh, as the song would say, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Jesus wants to do business today. Are you washed? Are you washed? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I feel the Spirit of God. He's drawing today. He's drawing by His presence. He's saying, are you washed? Are you washed in the blood? Have you been bringing your sin and your struggle to me? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I desire to wash you. I desire to wash you, he says. I desire to wash you and pour out blessing upon you. Pour it out, Lord. Pour it out. Pour it out. Give joy and abundance to your people again. Let them enter in and eat from the tree of life. Let them pray and let them shake the tree until mercy falls in their lap. For others that are here today, I want to pray for boldness for you and your prayer life. That you will get bold. And I mean bold, bold. Yeah? Many of you, even when you're worshiping, and I don't mean this in a bad way, it's, it's this. Oh, man. Jesus did not die for me on a cross so that I could sit here swooning and tired. Oh, I worship. And I look to heaven from where my help comes from. I lift my head with confidence. I lift my hands in faith knowing that I am crying out to a God who is able to do above and beyond more than I can think, ask, or imagine. And Bethel, I need you to get tenacious again. I need some of our old-timers to 
get tenacious again. I need you to teach some of our young people to get tenacious again. Our men in this place, I need you to get tenacious again. I need you to believe for your family. I need you to pray for your wife and for your kids. I need you to pray for your work and for the ladies in the house. I need you to pray as if heaven and earth depend upon you. I need you to stand in that gap and agree like never before. And if that is your commitment, we are going to start to do things with that coming up. But I want you to make that commitment. Pastor, I want to be tenacious in 2024. I want to be tenacious this year. I want to go after things in prayer that I normally would be too shy to do, that I would almost be embarrassed to ask God for, that I feel are selfish to even ask Him. Bold. He's looking for bold. Bold. I love the book of Hebrews. Because of what Jesus did, it says, Come boldly. Enter the throne of grace boldly in your time of need to obtain grace. Boldly. Boldly I approach your throne. Boldly I approach a loving Father. Boldly I approach a giving Savior. Boldly I approach a Holy Spirit who has never lost His power. Boldly. Let's lift our hands one last time as one people. Lord, we are consecrating ourselves to you today. Lord, we are saying we are a holy people because you are a holy God. Lord, we are saying, as for me and my house, we will serve you. Lord, we're saying, I am going to pray until something happens. Lord, we are declaring today that we are going to shake the tree of life until the fruit of mercy falls on our lap. Lord, as one family, we are saying we want so much more in 2024. Lord, we want so much more in 2024. And as your hands are lifted, I want you to envision yourself right now shaking the tree. Shaking the tree. And begin to see it like the fruit is falling all over you. Like apples and oranges and pears and citrus fruit just raining down on you. I'm Italian. I want olives. Let olives fall all over me. Lord, I want all that you have for me. All that you have for me. Lord, as your presence is here, as your presence is here, begin to rain down. Worship team, you can begin to sing and lead them, but let your presence rain down. Let your presence rain down. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. Make sure you share this message with a friend or family member to encourage them today. Head to BethelNE.com to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel New England.